0: You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Do you love 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 it? Do you love her? Do you love her? Do you love her? One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown, she my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown, she my brown skin, love a brown skin, hold me down, yeah. I know what the trouble a nation. It's been over a year. You've been waiting, you've been emailing, you've been calling, you've been texting, you've been asking. Hey, Mr. Greg, tell me where you been. You've been searching, you've been asking, you've been wondering why. Hey, see, if y'all ain't know what Lil Wayne fans, y'all don't know what it is. That's that Miss Carter background. But yo, what's up, man? My audience, Triple A Nation, yo, y'all make some noise. I'm excited to be live and direct and back with you, my family, my people, to bring to you, to bring to you, season. I, I can really cry right now. Like I'm getting emotional right now. It took a year, year off and getting recharged, refocused. And yo. I got forty episodes hot and ready for y'all. We've been in a lab. We I don't I don't risk my life for this. Like seriously, I'm Miami. Yup. Los Angeles. Yup. Um, where else we go? Where else we go? Oh, Boston. Yup. Like we've been. Oh, Houston, Texas. Yup. To get live. Oh, Charlotte. The Durham. I mean, get, to get live interviews. We got the video this season, right? <laughs> we got monsters this season, right? <laughs> and if this is a reminder, reminder, remind you, don't you quit? six and a half oh dang there's seven years in this game we still coming with fire consistency consistency my life changed this year why because 15 years of hard work finally getting to fruition my support system my brotherhood shout out to my brother mike Farrell. shout out to my boy cindy evans shout out to charles jones shout out to whoa imaging shout out to so many people that made this journey this reality shout out to all y'all that prayed for the boy kept me uplifting it wasn't I didn't write a off man like we here we back now and we delivering nothing but classics this season nothing but classics this season y'all get excited in 2021 if God let us see it we got more in store man like I, y'all don't y'all man y'all don't know how excited I am by the season man like so it really is um I got I really want to over the next couple of weeks I'm going to release a brotherhood podcast I'm gonna have a couple of brothers that uh really mean a lot to me on this show and we're going to kind of break down where we've been right but i want to introduce y'all before we went i i didn't want my voice and to be the only voice that y'all hear the first voice that y'all hear in regards to interview style now we're going to jump in and give you a little snippet of the flavor that we've been cooking over the last couple months and then we're going to jump in and just unpack what we've been up to where we've been what's life been like over the last year and a half intermission for the show and yeah we're gonna get started so yo remember remember if you knew to this podcast yo go listen to the last 100 episodes. If you if you familiar with this show, hey, you got 40 hot and ready coming your way, right? So now we're going to make way to introduce our first few sponsors. Yep, I said it sponsors of the minority trouble as a podcast ever. Ever, E V E R ever. ever. And they two black-owned businesses, black-owned brands. That's what we do, alright? So, yo, my nose troubles. Thank y'all so much. I love you. I, I, I for real. I love you. We got merch on the way. We got classes on the way. We got lives on the way. We got so much on the way. We got other. Ooh, I can't even tell you. But I love y'all. Y'all keep rocking with me. I'm gonna keep rocking with y'all, alright? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh let's roll them sponsorships. Before we jump into things, man, I want to introduce our lead sponsor for the entire Minority Trouble is a podcast season seven, RecDiv, right? So RecDiv is the first online job board created specifically for historically black colleges and universities. It connects employers with qualified candidates from HBCUs across the country and gives students access to internships, career tips, and resources they need to succeed in this tough economy employers can post jobs for free and candidates can apply in seconds like imagine indeed but for only historically backed colleges and universities those students so employers and candidates they're looking for jobs etc you can visit recdiv.com today to get started once again you can visit recdiv.com that's r-e-c-d-i-v.com today and get started and um, the biggest thing is, well, D. Griggs—he's been on the podcast before. He's actually the owner of ATX Web Designs, which, as you'll see over the course of the season, they're going to do our website. So it's almost done. Mynotertreblez.com is almost ready for y'all, and it's an a plethora of other things that we are in the works to do. It'll be all done by our technology partner, which is ATX Web Designs. All right, oh y'all thought I was done? We ain't done. We ain't done. We are also sponsored this season for the first few episodes by the scotch porter brand and you already know holiday seasons are among us so if you are looking for any beard hair face care grooming products i'm here to tell you scotch porter is the real deal and right now if you go online they got a 50 percent off collection sale that just kicked off and is the perfect i repeat the perfect time to stock up on your self-care essentials so if you struggle anything with like itchiness dryness shedding When it comes to your beard, your hair, or your face, or if you have black blemishes or bacteria or clogged pores, yo, Scotch Porter is the brand for you. This product is perfect solution for all that, right? It's non-toxic and it includes ingredients like kale, protein, white willow bark, biotin, pomegranate enzymes to cleanse, condition, moisturize, and promote growth. And once again, like I'm telling you, Perfect holiday gift, and for a limited time, you got 50% off all the collections. Just go to scotchporter.com, it'll show you all that stuff. They got a plethora of different options and i'm telling you i use it so any of the good pics that you see online on instagram when their hair is popping that's via scotch porter right and make sure you show them some love let you know yo i found out about your product listening to them i know the Minority trouble is a podcast blow up their instagram or their twitter whatever platform you're on make sure you let them know that you appreciate them sponsoring and giving you this content right content for free that you get to listen to and get uplifted with it, all right <laughs> so once again thank you for listening to us we back to our regular scheduled programming welcome to the minority trouble a podcast and i'm your host greg e hill the culture change agent on this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generational leaders. And today, I got an all-time show for you today, man. like It's, it's been a marathon. I'm doing seven episodes today um, in the history of Minority Trouble as a podcast, and we like 120 episodes deep right now. I've never done this many episodes in a day, right? All this outfit change. You know me. I'm really a hoodie guy. I'm, doing, I'm changing outfits and all that stuff, man. But... I'm particularly excited about this show because I have somebody that I've been trying to get on the show for like 10 years. And the day the day came and like the devil tried to work and tried not to make it happen. We made it happen. I'm excited to share a story on the show. Um, and I'm going to read a snippet, a snippet, a snippet of a bio, and then we're going to jump right into it. So <clears throat> she is an artist who drew national attention in 2015 when she climbed the flagpole in front of South Carolina Capitol building and lowered the Confederate battle flag. The flag was originally raised in 1961 as a statement of opposition to the civil rights movement and lunch counter sit-ins occurring at the time. The massacre of nine black parishioners by a white supremacist at Emanuel AME Zion Church in Charleston reignited controversy over South Carolina's flag. Her act of defiance against a symbol of hate has been memorialized in photos and artwork and has become a symbol of resistance and empowerment of women across the country. Activism is one of the trio pursuits that have driven her since a young age, when she showed talent as both a musician and a writer, particularly a writer of plays and films. Her roots as an artist and activist were planted early. Her father, who has served as a dean of the Howard University School of Divinity and the president of both Shaw University and the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center, is a nationally recognized scholar of African-American religious history and, and how it has impacted social justice movements across the country. Her mother spent a career as an educator, addressing the achievement gap and disparities of education. Her interest in the arts was fostered early in her life, and she had showed promise even then. At the age of seven, she learned to play the piano and wrote her first piece of music. Two years later, she wrote her first play. And at the age of 18, she won a $40,000 scholarship from the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences as a part of short film competition. She studied film at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts in her senior year short film, Wake, won numerous accolades and was a finalist for the prestigious Wasserman Award. Hopefully I said it right. Whose past recipients include Spike Lee. In 2011, while an artist in residence at Sachi and Sachi in New York, she marched with Occupy Wall Street. And much of her activism has focused upon incidents of young black people being unjustly killed in issues related to structural racism. She traveled with a group of youth activists from North Carolina to Florida during the Dream Defenders occup- occupation of the state house as a protest against the killing of Trayvon Martin. She also participated in the eleven-mile march in front of Beaver Creek, Ohio Walmart, where John Crawford was killed by police. Where John Crawford was killed by police to the courthouse in Zenia, Ohio, demanding release of the footage showing the killing. And then, from 2013 to 2015, she served as the Western Field organizer for Ignite North Carolina, where she is one of the founders of the tribe, a grassroots organization collective a grassroots organizing collective. The trial was created in the aftermath of the 2014 uprising in Ferguson to address similar issues of structural racism and police violence confronting the community of Charlotte, North Carolina. During the 2016 Charlotte uprising, she helped organize protests and community meetings. She continues to organize at the grassroots level, and that is key, in Charlotte, focusing on developing models for sustainable community organization. And her dedication to community work has not lessened her interest in either film or music. She often interweaves the two, and in 2016, she wrote and produced and directed a performance piece, Rise Up and Go, Monticello Summit, a four-day public summit on the legacy of slavery and freedom in America held at the sites of Thomas Jefferson's former plantation. The celebration was a collaboration between Thomas Jefferson Foundation and the National Endowment for the Humanities in the University of Virginia. And her awards are numerous and include the Maryland Distinguished Scholars for Voice, the National Board of Review Student Film Award, and the 2016 NAACP Image Award. She has been named to the Route 100 and Ebony 100 in recognition of her work in behalf of civil rights. And she currently lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, where she, where she continues her work as an artist and grassroots community organizer. So, Minority know the Troubleson Nation, um, I know you saw these sweeping B roll images of powerful moments and all this excitement, awards, gala, but I'm really encouraged and excited. For her out of her own mouth, and for us to engage in a real story around um, our guest, and really talk about some current topics, talk about future topics, and really just build and grow. So, without further ado, I would like to introduce Miss Bree Newsom Bass to the Minority Trouble as a podcast. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yo, so I'm I'm really really excited because one, uh, two ways. One because. This conversation that we're about to have is all it's never been more urgent to really discuss and unpack a lot of things that's in society. And most importantly from our platform, there's no agenda. There's no agenda with this. We're just having a great conversation. I'm not trying to paint a picture of something that's not there or I'm not trying to create something. And I think that's really important, specifically with responsible journalism. Um, in my lane, right? In my lane as a as a podcast guy, my name is to 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 intact vulnerability. But most importantly, just have the artist and creative um attack the story in their own lens like i'm really about crafting your own narrative because you know the media they can they can craft the narrative easily more than ever now and unfortunately even us as a culture a subculture or a culture rather we can draft up our own narrative and we can be shared online and have all these pieces and people take it as fact and it's like yo this is so far from it so i'm 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 excited to come to the oracle the source to a certain degree right so before we jump into the show we like to start the show off with a quote. So, so Brie, can you take us through um, a quote or a mantra that you live by and then share with us a story about how you apply that quote to your everyday life?
1: Yes. um, Psalm 27, I love. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Um, And I mean, really, the whole psalm I will I will meditate on again and again. Because um, it's just to me is like a complete prayer. I mean, it talks about, you know, God being your protection, um, talking about how the the primary thing to pursue in life is to, you know, that that oneness with God. Right. And that that's just how I choose to operate, um, which is, you know, I already know what I want for my life. Right. But what's more, what's most important for me is that I live the life that God has called me to live. Cause when I do that, things work out best for me, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. another quote, I heard that's real funny is like, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause we can't ever predict tomorrow. So, um, so that's really how I, that's really how I try to live day by day. Oh, and I
0: almost forgot to mention a limited edition, yeah, bro, a limited edition talk show powered by Vance Carolina executively produced by Natalie Bullock-Brown featuring the Bree Newsome Bass and Ajamu Dillahunt as the co-host, and it's called When They See Us Vote. It's a project that myself and Minority Troubles in Media has been working with with Advanced Carolina, shout out to Marcus Bass, as well as a host of other shout out to Renee, Charles Jones, Sydney Evans, Michael Farrell, and the whole team and producing this series which talks about the intersection of voting from a variety of different perspectives. I'm talking about um, how you can engage, how you can educate on a lot of topics that lead us to vote but also a lot, a lot of topics that hold us back from voting. So go to whentheyseeusvote.com for more information. This is something a work of art rather that Brie Newsom-Bash and Bass and Ajamu have really put together, man. So check it out us on YouTube as well. Um and yeah, I had to mention that series. Mm, so tell us so, so so let's let's uh let's go to last week, right? I always I have this segment before I talk about find the post. because I always want to make sure I kind of get an energy of where the interview is at. You feel me? Because, I mean, I've been on podcasts, unfortunately, where I come in out off the gate, crazy, boom, boom. And then like, yo, they had somebody passing the family. So I need to, I had to redirect my energy to make sure that, not to say I, I had to lower it, but I wanted to be respectful in kind of the way I approach things, right? Um, specifically with certain individuals. So um, let's go to last week. Can you share with us a moment, good or bad last week, that you learned something from and share with the audience what you
2: learned?
1: You know, last week, I feel, was uh, very focused on the passing of John Lewis, right? Mm. Um, and just kind of like the ongoing like funeral processions around him, a lot mm-hmm. of reflecting on his life and legacy, um, kind of reflecting on where we are today, um, and, you know, in terms of like the ongoing struggles mm-hmm. um, against racism. Um, and so that is something that I have been reflecting on quite a bit. I mean, and it is, it's, it's good and bad, right? Because... In John Lewis, I see someone who lived to be 80. You know, a lot of people from the Civil Rights Movement did not live mm-hmm. uh, a, a full life. They, they were cut down, like, in that struggle. So that in and of itself is a celebration. Um, at the same time, I see still a lot of attempts to kind of, like, co-opt the aims of the Civil Rights Movement, particularly um, the aims of Martin Luther King Jr., right? You see that that happening a lot, where, where people um, really kind of try to distort um, the message of nonviolence. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Martin Luther King really operated with an anti-war message. And I don't know if you watched the the um funeral, but um Bill Clinton's message in particular, you know, really <laughs> kind of like, really kind of like sparked some controversy because he was up there trying to like almost pit uh black revolutionaries against each other, trying mm-hmm. to frame, you know, uh John Lewis is like the acceptable mm-hmm. uh, you know, black revolutionary whereas Stokely Carmichael, I'm sorry, Kwame Toure. Uh, you know, was not. And so it just, again, you know, good and bad, like Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And at the same time, it's like this reminder that we are still very much like in this struggle, we are still constantly having to fight against historical revisionism and erasure. I mean, I've had to do that just in the past five years, like in the aftermath of taking down the flag in South Carolina, I've dealt with people trying to like rewrite the narrative around that and what happened, you know? Um, So yeah, so that, that, that has really kind of been on my mind, especially last week.
0: Mm. So let's, let's jump right in before we go to the origin story. I, I want to approach this interview a tad differently. Um, can you discuss, uh, because the act of you taking down the flag, right. And there's there's that was, that was huge. Um, and Pat, did you realize it was going to be that significant? And do you realize that it was going to change your life in the way that it has?
1: Yes and no. I mean, I we knew how significant it was just because there was so much attention focused on that flag at the time, right? Like like the, the world was focused on the flag in South Carolina um, and just the controversy over South Carolina continuing to fly that flag in, in the aftermath of everything that had happened. So I knew at the time that I was taking it down, it was probably going to change my life. <clears throat> that said, there's only so many ways that you can predict,
2: <laughs> you yeah. know, uh-huh.
1: um, how that will play out. And so, you know, the farther we get away from that event, um, the less predictable it becomes in terms of some of the dynamics that, that I've had to deal with. I mean, quite frankly, I really went into it trying to prepare for the worst case scenario. You know, like I get hurt, I get killed, like, you know, worst case scenario. That's what I was most prepared for. Um, and so kind of dealing with The aftermath of it being successful, dealing with, you know, fame and attention and just like a lot of weird dynamics that can come with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't always predict those types of things. That's something that I've had to navigate. But that's also why I say like my mantra is like living day by day Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it has been like a very day by day trying to make sure I stay centered, trying Mm -hmm. to make sure I stay focused on, you know, what God's mission is for me in life.
0: Yeah, but how, because how many, I, I know it's day by day, but I know you're really, because I mean, I ain't gonna lie, like when Bass, uh, your 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 husband and my line brother, when he said, okay, Bree, I was like, okay, cool, cool. And I was like, oh, she's an activist. I'm like, okay, cool. And you let me know what you did. And you mean, I'm, I'm always, in. when he talk about activists and pizza, I'm always like, okay, is she really like, for real, for real, like in the streets with it. Like, because, you know, we do live in a culture where now it's become very, very cool to be activists, right? Um, there's a lot of corporate connections with certain things. And there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes on with, with really being in the front as opposed to maybe back in the day. Right. So as you, as you, did you, were you really prepared or how how has it been kind of the transition because you're still, and luckily one thing I can say, I lived in, I see it. You, you've always been on the front lines. You never, you never left. You never said, okay, cool. Well now I can go on all these little corporate boards and do all this other talk and let the people do the work. That's one thing I always admire about yourself and Bass and so many and a few others, not so many others that really stayed true. But I mean, if I know we jump in the gun, but what is it like, though, to really in this era right now where, I mean, it's is it's this it's a very a weird place where especially corporate companies and, and, and entities interconnected? So now you're doing this stuff on a major scheme, and now people want to say, hey, everybody want a piece to have you speak on this platform and stuff that you may not want to leave. How do you kind of gauge where you give your energy to? And then also too, um, and I like to ask two questions at once. I'm a, I'm I'm not technical. My interviews, I just that's my spirit. But also too, how have you um how have you grown over the last five years in regards to um your energy consumption?
1: Yeah, so one thing is I am always conscious of co-optation, right? That, I mean, that happens a lot.
0: And what's co-optation uh, like? Break it down for
2: us.
1: Yeah. Co-optation is where you have kind of like the corporate entities, the politicians. Um, I mean, I use the term establishment. Yeah. And when I say establishment, I mean like the status quo, like the mm-hmm. people who benefit from preserving things as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, wealth inequality, racial inequality, um, You have some people who are very explicit and that that's what they want to maintain, right? And then you have other people who will pretend mm-hmm. <laughs> to support justice because that's the thing to do, right? Like now it's the thing to say Black Lives Matter. It's the thing to, you know, have put out your corporate statement. I'll give you a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, a corporation who posts a statement about Black Lives Matter, but if you talk to the, the minority employees at their company, they'll tell you what's really going on behind the scenes, right? Yeah. That, that's the kind of dynamics that we're talking about, right? The politicians who will get out and, and march with you at the protest, but then as soon as they're back in their office, they're passing policies that are killing us. That's the kind of stuff that we have to constantly guard against. Um, and I have had to guard against that, especially since, you know, gaining the attention after taking the flag down, because then I kind of became like a symbol. Yeah. And, you know, I... And I would definitely have people trying to figure out, like, you know, well, you put your name on this. They don't want to actually engage me like in a genuine, you know, kind of conversation or or really try to find out, like, you know, what what do you think should happen? They just want to put my name on something because then they can say, oh, well, if if Bree signed off, you know, people might look at it and say, well, if Bree signed off on it, then it must be okay. So I do have to be very careful about things like that. I kind of made a decision early on not to do like the corporate endorsement stuff. And, and you're probably aware of this too. Like once you get like kind of like a platform online or any kind of like following, you'll start getting reach outs because people are just trying to like, you know, reach an audience. They want to connect with your audience. So they'll be like, well, Hey, will you, you know, do this for this brand or this for that brand? And I was like, no, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't think that's a fit. I really want to stay true to the people. <laughs> like, yeah. and you know, cause I, I, and I feel like that's not just my calling but i just feel a responsibility to that you know what i mean like i feel like whatever legitimacy i have or if people are looking for me for for my word or my commentary on thing it's because they know that like i do genuinely care about the people and mm-hmm. like like where the masses of people at and it's not just to come up for me you know um, and so I really kind of focus more on talking to students a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really think students are like, you know, students are so crucial. Um, and so I spent a lot of my time just doing education and and talking with students and speaking at universities and schools and, and community groups and, uh, and, you know, doing that kind of thing. And um, I'm trying to remember the second part of your question. Nah,
0: yeah. The second part of the question is, and matter of fact, I'm going to redact that. Um, I'm going to jump right into where I wanted to go, because how do you deal with um, because being that you have such a wide reach, but your reach is in a very political place, and you have a lot. There's a lot of trolls, a lot of people that really safety is at risk at all times. Um, there's a lot of not only black people trolls. Um, and I'm and, and mind you, I'm not PC, so I'm gonna say stuff. You can be like black people, like uh, I mean, you know, black people trolls. They always want to get real deep and try to find counter arguments and stuff like that. And then you got on the other side people that really just they want the status quo. They're 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 really trying to. They're hanging on your every word to say boom, boom, boom. So how do you deal with that? And have you grown in dealing with that? Like how did you originally deal with? Man, I just did out to love my heart to go take on the flag. And all of a sudden I got love, but then a lot of hate. And the hate sometimes is from people like that are black. So how do you deal with that?
1: So, on the online space, I do believe in the strategic clapback, right? <laughs> Which is like, you know, I'm not, because people think like, you know, on the online space, people say and do things that they would not do face to face. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes people do feel an entitlement, like, to your space. That they really don't have an entitlement to, and so especially like in the beginning, I got a lot of nasty, you know, kind of attacks, and and I would just have to snap back, like I would have to let people know <laughs> that you know I'm not always going to do this, but if you say something to me, there's a chance that I will say something back, and mm. I can be very sharp with my tongue, you mm. know, and like with my word, and um and so I did do that in the beginning, and sometimes you know occasionally I will say things back, but um but I also just largely choose not to engage. Like I mean that that has been a powerful thing too for me to realize like you know what i don't have to engage like it's yeah. not that's a choice like you you really don't have to engage with everything like everything is not worth your time and energy like um bernice king actually dr king's daughter she will tweet that out like every once in a while just to remind everybody like mm-hmm. you know mind your energy like everything is not worth giving your en- energy to you mm-hmm. know and i think that's very real like you you have to be wise about like what are you what are you pouring your energy into and you also have to think about like sometimes I'll catch myself and I'm like, you know, how much energy am I pouring into the people who are negative versus pouring the energy into the people who are like supportive of what I'm doing? Cause I want to make sure that I'm not giving all of my attention to like the naysayers and not pouring attention into like the many people who are who are genuinely supportive, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, nah, I think I think that's critical. Um, so let's do it like this. As a couple, I'm a. Uh, this interview is going to be all over the place, but it it is, that's where my head is at right now because there's so much so much good stuff, and I want to make sure I'm a good steward of the time. Um, you are privy to a lot of information, a lot of um data, because you really you you really study stuff. And there's a lot, quite frankly, that the black community does not know specifically about politics, about the way things work, about collective organizing. So I wanted to use a a snippet of our time to really unpack some 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 things that you you from your knowledge that we probably just are not aware of that we should be aware of in the next six months over the next year. I think the next year is critical. We have a lot of steam in a lot of different areas. However, there's a lot of there's so much right now going the culture, just diverting attention. Right. We have George Floyd, we have Brianna, we have so much. I mean, we still got a Aubrey. Aubrey. We got things popping off every single day. Then we have what's going on with the COVID, which is a whole different synops- synopsis of things. Then we got the finance sector. So, a, where do you spend your energy? Um, and then B, what? And you and you can take as long as you want. What are some things and some resources that people can use to just kind of make quality decisions on where they put their, their time on learning and talking about as, as before they move take steps forward?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. So I right now I'm really focused on housing. Mm, um, and okay. I mean, I can, you know, if you want to, I can kind of like take you through the take journey through of my activism it. and how I landed there. So, and this kind of answers your second question too, which is that my suggestion to people is to start with something that you care about. Because I guarantee you all these issues are interconnected, like you're right, like you mentioned, you know, police violence, you mentioned um, COVID, you mentioned um, the economic situation, and really all of those things are connected. They're separate issues, but they're also all the way connected because we have an issue where our government is spending more money on uh, police, militarizing the police than giving us health care that we need, right? Um, then providing people with unemployment benefits. So all of those things are tied together. Um, And so my suggestion would be like, if you're trying to learn more about the issues to really start with something that's personal to you or something that you care about. What what first launched me into like a point where I was like, yes, I really want to be an activist. I really want to take action. It was like, it was two things. And it was in 2013, it was the Supreme Court gutting the Voting Rights Act and the state of North Carolina trying to pass this uh, like monster voter suppression bill it was so clearly trying to make it harder for black people to vote. And it was the the uh, verdict in the Trayvon Martin case. Mm-hmm. Those two things together really made me say to myself, like, well, now, wait a second. What's happening here? Because it's like we're about it. We're back in 1955 again. We got a modern day Emmett Till and we don't have a Voting Rights Act anymore. Right. Mm. Um, And so starting there is where I really started to study issues more, started to learn more about history. You know what I mean? So it can sometimes feel like so overwhelming, Mm -hmm. the scope of it all. But I promise you, if you just like pick a starting point that makes sense for you, right? the rest of it will open up for you. So after like, you know, getting involved in the movement, of course, you know, we started having uh, case after case of of police brutality, people getting killed by the police. Mm -hmm. That kind of came to the forefront. I, I have ended up focusing on housing though, because I really think like after studying a lot of issues, I think that the housing issue is so central to a lot of other things. So like right now, I'm sure you're aware, we got a situation where we're looking at like millions of people possibly getting evicted. Mm. From their homes in the in the next couple of months, right? Um, if people don't have safe, stable housing, how are they going to shelter in place with the pandemic, right? Uh, if people don't have safe, stable housing, how are they going to be able to vote? Like you got to have an address in order to vote, right? Mm-hmm. So so that that issue by by like focusing on the issue of housing and trying to see, can we keep people from getting evicted from their homes? That's what I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that through that I can help make impact on a lot of other things. I mean, and again, it it ties back to the policing, too, because the question that we have for the city, we look at the budget and we're like, let's take the instance of Charlotte. Right. Yeah. Charlotte. Spent $50 million. They assigned $50 million in the budget for the RNC alone. That's a three-day convention. $50 million to give the police more equipment for that convention. That's not even happening now. So it's not even necessary. Mm. $50 million is also our entire housing budget. Like the entire budget that's allocated to help people um, pay their rent is $50 million. So what that what does that say about the city's priorities, right? Um, and imagine if we were to put all of that funding towards housing, we would probably address a lot of the the crime, right? <laughs> like like mm-hmm. if you, if we would put ish, if we would put funding and resources towards public health issues, um, towards education, towards things that improve quality of life, it would probably be more effective in addressing issues like crime than constantly giving the police more guns and more weapons. And we know the police are out here killing people who haven't even committed crime. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so it's and and I didn't start out there like uh, when I got involved in 2013. I wasn't thinking about housing.
2: Mm-hmm. You know
1: that that's not where I was, and that's why I'm saying like a, a really good place to start if you want to learn more about the issues, start with something that's impacting you. Because mm-hmm. every issue is valid. What what I mean? What's for some people it's student loans. Are you are you underwater with student loans? Start there. Like let's look at that. Start peeling back the layers for for why that is. Why did we go from decades ago using to have a uh, uh, free public college to now people being tens of thousands of dollars in debt it didn't used to be that way and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that way you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so you can really kind of start wherever you're at and just and just continue to study and and you'll start to get like more of an analysis around the system and I, i promise you like that's what i'm saying all of these issues are interconnected it's just a matter of like as you study you will see how it's all connected
0: and you keep saying referencing study. What is study? And I know study may vary from person to person. But what does study look like for you? Because some people are like, OK, I have my issue, but I don't know where to start at all. So you say study. Is it studying articles? Is it studying people? Is it studying like studying books or forefathers? Like what, where, where would you suggest people start?
1: All of that, yeah. So you can see behind me, this is like some of like my book collection. I got like the John Lewis book up there. So I've got like, some of these books are like history, you know, historical uh, documentation. Some of them are like, um, just deep diving on the issues, giving you just like, you know, facts. Like I have a, a book up here about evictions and it's just talking about like the whole business that people make money off of evicting people mm-hmm. you know what i mean like, it that down real quick. That, like, like start- let's
0: get real metal with that like, people make money off evicting people like can you break it down real quick side tenure.
1: oh yeah yeah so so um we have eviction courts right so you got people who are paid to to uh, do the whole like process in the courts of evicting people. Um, you have the police who are paid to put people out on the streets. Um, you have uh, predatory landlords, mm-hmm. right? Who make money off of renting to people who they know won't be able to uh, pay the rent, people who they can exploit. And they're able to like kick them out um, and make money off of them. You have the moving companies make money off of evicting people, right? So so everybody, you have like a segment of the population mm-hmm. that cannot afford a mortgage, can't afford a home, um, is is really struggling to pay rent, mm-hmm. and everybody's making money off of them being in that situation, right? um so it's a whole industry and that's part of why it's like it's like difficult cuz whenever you start to try to make these changes you start messing with people's money
2: yeah
1: um and 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 you're going to find like if you follow the money on things that's what will really show you what is really behind a lot of the decisions that are being made it's always about the money that's what's behind most of the the things and 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 how the decisions are made
2: mm.
1: so yeah so articles films uh books um, listening to TED talks and panels. I mean, you know, you just immerse yourself in it, you know, and, and, and just, I I really commit to being like a lifelong student. I never consider myself to be an expert. Like I have learned everything there is to learn. There's nothing left to learn. You know um, I just am always trying to find like, what is that next thing I'm going to read? What is that next thing I can watch, mm-hmm. you know, that will help me sharpen my understanding Uh, talk to your elders, talk to the people around you. You know what I mean? There's a wealth of knowledge um, sometimes in the people who are just around you who have lived through these things. You know, my grandma has been one of the most important educators in my life Mm -hmm. in helping me understand stuff because she would just break down to me the past. So I can understand, you know, when I was growing up in the 90s, my grandma was explaining to me like, you know, South Carolina in the 20s. So I can have some context for what I'm seeing, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s.
0: Man, that's 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 huge. So um let's do it like this, because uh, I want to. We're, we're going to get to the origin story, but I just want to switch gears. I'm going to be switching gears all over the place, but I want to switch gears real quick. What is what has it been like? Because uh, I know own network. My mom, my mom called me. He's like, yo, 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 yo. Oh, uh, Marcus's Marcus's wife was on the thing, and I was like, it's funny that my people that know you, they they all they always say Marcus's wife. Was like she was on open network Oh my god! Oh my god! I was like, mom, okay, thank you, mom. And then you know, over the last couple of years, being able to. Get an NAACP award. i um, speak on different panels. Just kind of walk us through some of the good and some of the not cha- good and challenges um, with having those platforms. Sometimes you sit back and be like, "This is cool." Like I know you want to be deep because you like you're in in movement and it's really real. And the message you deliver is not a is not a sweet message at times, right? But do you say sometimes it's like, "Yo, I'm I really enjoy this. This is cool." Like, do you do that sometimes?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Like I really feel fortunate and privileged because. First of all, like there's a lot of people who have done amazing things. Uh, we would not have like the freedoms that we have were it not for them. And people don't call their names out. Nobody gave them an award. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, Some of them died in prison. Some of them got exiled. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm very much aware of like the, the privileges and the blessings I have, which is why I celebrate that. And it's great. You know, um, that's beautiful. I appreciate that so much um to to have people say you know thank you for what you do like while I'm alive that's amazing because everybody (laughs) doesn't get that everybody really doesn't get that you know um challenges yes absolutely like and you kind of touched on it earlier like there is this aspect to it now that I don't think existed before where activism is like cool and it has like this kind of like celebrity component to it yeah um which is, you know, that's kind of precarious. We have to be real careful with that. Um, you know, we, we have to be real careful with like with trying to make it like flashy and and, you know, being about like like who who's who's in the magazine, who has an award. You know what I mean? Like because I'm in magazines and I do get awards, but I also want to be really careful about that because I know like there again, there are a lot of people. They're doing this work because they're trying to survive, point blank, period. No, they're not doing it for awards. They're not doing it for attention. Um, And I never want to lose sight of that. Like, I really do feel like I have been given like a gifting and a calling to, to be a communicator. Like, I think that is I think that's my role. Right. Is to like it's like to communicate things and to speak on things. Um, But I never want to find myself in a position of like forgetting the larger collective that I belong to or just like getting, or just getting sucked into like the whole spotlight and stuff of it all. Cause you'll lose yourself in that. And fame is crazy. Like fame is real crazy. So it was very weird. Like when I took the flag down, I went into jail, right. Yeah. For like seven hours I was in jail. When I came out, the whole world around me had, had reoriented to how uh-huh. it interacted because now, because now I'm the woman that took the flag down. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Now, now I'm the woman that took the flag down. And it's like, that was very strange to have, To be the same exact person that you were, but to have the world, the way that the world interacts with you change is very strange. And I understand then how fame can really flip some people out. Like if you're if you're not grounded and if you're not careful, it can really you can lose your sense of self. You really have to know who you are because everybody will start to form their own images and ideas of who you are. And if you don't know who you are, then you'll kind of get lost in that, Mm. you know,
0: which brings us to a great price. And now let's go back to the start. Now, I know people that they knew to me, y'all going to be like, bro, this dude is all over the place. But well, the people that have been uh, over 100 episodes in, they said, yo, this is this is this is normal G Hill. So let's go back to the start. We want to give all that context to bring it back to the start. Because one of the most interesting things I found out was when I talked to Marcus and I was like, OK, yeah, Breeze is an activist. She must have been an activist her whole life. She He was like, yo, I mean, she was. But I mean, she's a award winning um, documentarian. And my, I, like she she writes screenplays and plays the piano. I was like, bro, like. She on the front line <laughs> taking out flags, like why was she like what for real oh she went to New York School of Arts and all this I'm like, bro for real, so let's let's take it back, take us back to from when you' were born to kind of now, and I know this in 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 the context that you know how to do,
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 so I you know as early as I can remember, I love the arts, right mm-hmm. so i was I was um I was born in North Carolina. My family moved up to Maryland when I was like, I was a baby, you know what I mean? So I did like all my grade school in Maryland, but I would spend all my summers in North Carolina with my grandma in Charlotte. And one of the things that she got me and my sister into really early on was the Afro-American Children's Theater in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so I was doing that from the time I was like five, you know, like real little and just loved it. I just loved being creative. I loved writing, doing music, like all of that kind of stuff. And so I mean, really, like up until the point that I got arrested <laughs> for like <laughs> protesting voting rights, that was my focus. Like, like very seriously. Like I was just, you know, I was really focused on um I knew that I knew that I wanted to do something in the arts. And then by the time I got to like maybe like middle school, I was pretty sure I wanted to be a filmmaker. Like I, I was really, I loved films, mm. I loved watching films. And I was pretty sure that I wanted to be a filmmaker. And then by the time I got to high school, I was like, "Yeah, I want to study film. Like that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. I want to go to college and 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 study film, um, and become a filmmaker." I graduated college. I did a, a short film called Wake that was really successful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, got the you mentioned when you were reading my bio. I got the artist residency in New York. So you know, I'm up in New York in like 2011, <laughs> 2012. Yeah. You know, just grinding. Paying, you know, exorbitant rent, (laughs) like sleep in a closet, you know, just like doing the New York grind, like everything an artist, you know, the the typical artist path, like you got to grind it out, you got to you got you know got to earn your stripes and put in your time, and that's what I was doing, and um and then like I said, I I, so I finished the residency, I came back to North Carolina, and honestly, I had not really been following closely what was happening in North Carolina. Like I, I would follow politics, right. But I wasn't really like tuned in on, on what was happening. And stuff in North Carolina was crazy because in, you know, in 2008, the state went for Obama. Mm-hmm.
2: And
1: then two years later, the Republicans, like in backlash to that, they took over the legislature here
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they just went bananas in terms of like trying to like roll everything back, starting with like taking voting rights away. And so that was, I mean, that was the moment where I was like, well, now wait a second. You know, I don't know if I can go back to just like sitting in an office because, you know, Sasha's like a very corporate environment. This is an advertising agency, yeah. you know? And I was like, I don't think I can, I don't think I personally can go back to like doing a nine to five in an office setting when this is going out. I really want to be out in the streets protesting with people. Like that's where I'm at. That's where I'm feeling. Um, and so that's, that's how I landed there. It was not like I, there was no point prior to that where I was like, oh, I'm going to be an activist. <laughs> I'm going to be getting arrested. Like, no, not at all. You know, because I really thought all, I saw all of that stuff is like largely behind us. Like, I knew we still had issues, obviously. Yeah. I knew there was still stuff to protest about. But I thought that I thought we were further along than we were. It was opening to me to realize, like, no, like we're really not like this is this is this is a lot more recent. Then I think I was understanding, Mm. you know, and even my mom said to me, she was like, she was like, I'm not sure that our generation did as much to really help y'all understand what came before y'all. You know, because we came along, you know, we come up Bill Cosby's on TV. I mean, we we really came up in an era where it was like everywhere you looked, it was like successful black people, black people doing this, you know what I mean? And so that was like wild to really see the backlash to Obama in particular, like how it just kind of like unleashed this like racist element in the country you know
0: yeah nah that's there's a lot there and something just jumped in my mind uh you know j cole re- and j cole's one of my favorite artists of all time um j cole released his album and i think I, before that before the song they got a little controversy because he uh in an attack but he he threw some threw some shade not shade he just talked about a, a person that came from a two-parent household and had a lot to say about things and you know I mean, you look at your your profile, right? Like, you I mean your dad is a big meat. He's a big meat. What he do? Like, he was he held a lot of weight <laughs> in these streets. And your mom, she held her right, right too. Like, you 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 come from. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to say, but you may seem you come from a place of privilege, right? And so, what is how how did you get so low to the soil? And I'm when I say low, I'm not saying as far as the people you're working with are low, but as far as to the ground root of all these movements. When you did not come from that, you didn't come from that space. And do you at times, and that's the first question, and do you at times feel kind of, how do you mitigate the fact that there are people that live and come from that space too that haven't reached any of the heights and maybe doing some of the same work, but you have been positioned to kind of be the 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 lead lady, but you come from a different environment. So um, yeah, can you just kind of unpack that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think I... I would definitely describe myself. I mean, I came from a black middle class family. Like, like I said, I grew up, I remember when Cosby used to come on on Thursday nights and yeah. that looked like my family. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I saw myself reflected back on, on TV. Um, and, and so that was not, that was not strange to me. Um, Uh, You know, in the black middle class itself, like a lot of us, we we are in the position that we are because for whatever reason, generations ago, we were descended from some folks that were able to get some land. Yeah, that was my you know, my my great, great, great granddaddy was a blacksmith on the plantation and was able to like save up some money and have some land. And because he was able to do that, you know, my grandparents generation was able to go to college. You know what I mean? And that really can like change the trajectory for for how your family, you know, is able to to um, to prosper. You know what I mean? That's just the reality. Um, But that said, I really was raised with a conscience always kind of around these issues. So like my mom, she was an educator. Her work really focused on inequality in education, though. So I was always I was always like aware Mm -hmm. of the advantages that I had. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I was I was always seeing like all the kids who did not have those kinds of things. So, so I had that kind of um, that kind of awareness with me always. And of course, my grandma was telling me about how she was poor.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this, is my,
1: this is my mom's mom. You know, and my my mom's mom. This is the one I was telling you was born in 1920 South Carolina. She would stay with us during the year. So my my grandma was like helping raise me. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm grandma raised in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I mean. Um, and so, so she was, she always made me aware of those kinds of things. I was aware that like, I was the first generation in my family to go to integrated public school. You know, um, I, I just knew those things, you know what I mean? Um, and so I'm aware of that now as well, like, you know, being invited to like give lectures at universities and stuff like that. Would I have those same kind of opportunities if I hadn't had the, you know, the chance to like go to college and, and know how to like give a lecture? I don't know. Probably not. You know, um, that's a very real thing. Um, and no, you, you're absolutely right. Like people who there are people who are who are fighting every day on the front line. Um, who are coming from more impoverished circumstances Mm -hmm. um, and they don't, they don't get those same kind of, kind of privileges. They don't get those same kind of uh, um, protections, you know? Um, There have always been like a lot of people who have been freedom fighters and have died in poverty, you know? Uh, And, and, and so that's like a, that's a very real thing that I'm, I'm always aware of. Sometimes I almost feel like, I don't want to say like a, um, survivor's guilt, but just, like, this awareness of, like, being one who has survived, at least so far, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I think especially of, like, uh, the, the folks who rose up in Ferguson, you know, like, like these are the people who, who really make a lot of the, the revolutionary energy possible, and they don't have the same kinds of, of protections that some of us have, you know, everybody doesn't get a book deal, everybody doesn't get a speaking gig, that's just the reality of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, And so, and so again, like, you know, when I was talking earlier about like having to guard against cooptation, having to guard against like, you know, getting too caught up in celebrity and stuff like that, that all comes back to it. Um, To a certain extent, like people sometimes talk about the concept of class suicide. And that's the person who's like, Who's like almost willing to die to the to the class level that they were born into, right? Because if you really believe, like, let's say you were born into uh, the privileged classes, right? So you're 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 born into like the elite classes, the the class of the oppressor, um, and if you really believe. And in liberation for all people, you're going to have to die to some of that bourgeoisie, you know, kind of belief. And you got to die to some of that elitism. Um, And we have to be willing sometimes to really confront how much we have internalized some of that kind of stuff you know, um, because it can really hinder our ability to like build solidarity. The reality is like, yes, I am middle-class, but I am so much closer to homeless <laughs> than I am to billionaire. Yeah. And that's
3: a reality. <laughs> yeah,
1: That's a reality. You know, when, when the, when the housing crisis hit, it hit my family, yeah. you know, that hit my family. Um, I was, I experienced housing instability for a little bit, um, as an adult myself, you know what I mean? So some of it too, is like also recognizing this precarious nature of, of middle-class and how like in this country, like you know, folks kind of fall into this illusion of like we're wealthy. We're not wealthy. Like we're we're still working people. We're just we're just doing okay. You know what I mean? Like okay. like we're we one check away. We still one check away. A couple exactly. checks away. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know what I mean? So so making sure you don't lose sight of that. You know, it makes more sense to be in solidarity with with the folks who are poor than trying to be in solidarity with the billionaires because you're not a billionaire, you're not wealthy.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of
1: people think they're capitalists. Like that conversation's been coming up a lot too. Folks like, I'm a capitalist. No, you're not. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you maybe be a, maybe you're aspiring to be a capitalist, but unless you have wealth where like your money can actually work for you, like you don't have to go work today, you don't have to earn a paycheck, you're not a capitalist. Like you are you are working class. We are working class people. <laughs> You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. even
1: professional, a professional is a working class person. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're just, you know, you're better off than, uh, than some other folks.
0: And what jumps out to me, um, in your head, uh, when, when we were talking, um uh, when we are talking right now is the, 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 the word responsibility, right? So you have a certain responsibility being that, I mean, God has given you a unique gift, a unique platform, um, things that of course you work for, but also two things that before you, like you said, it don't happen without your grandparents' land, right? And then it's a circular effect. And then like you said, you're on the ground level with people that unfortunately at this point they can't do certain things you do. So you have a certain responsibility. So my question is, what do you feel your responsibility responsibility is to the culture? But also two, what do you feel is the general for and let and let, I want to speak to two classes. So it's a long question. Your responsibility, the responsibility for those that are um, that are our age. Um, and that is between twenty-seven and thirty-five that are particularly well off. And when I say well off, I mean they have a they have a job and they have roof over the head, corporate job, whatever. And when I say responsibility, I'm responsibility to the culture, right? And then, and of course, this is your opinion. And then the last thing, responsibility for those that um may unfortunately just hey, they're still where they're at. They're still, they're still maybe struggling. They're still check to check. And and there's unique Causes. I, I've always been interested to see what is your what is your thoughts on your personal um, middle class, and also to um, those that are are socially and economically challenged.
1: Yeah. So I think it's really important, especially as Black people to recognize that we will never socially elevate above racism so mm-hmm. long as so long as like the white power structure and this this racist capitalist system exists as it is. Mm-hmm. I don't care. How, and again, that's something that I feel like the Obama era made so clear, especially for me. It doesn't matter how much education you have. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much money you earn. Right. You can be the president of the United States. They are still going to call you a monkey.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Um. And so what that says is that you have a choice to make. And of course, you know, my, I think the responsible choice is to stand in solidarity with black people all around the world and to recognize how precarious this whole thing is. Again, we are, you're talking about folks who are doing well, kind of like in our age group, we're doing well today. We got to recognize that we got to, we got to recognize how precarious this is the housing crisis that hit in 2008 2009 mm-hmm. took something like a third of our wealth mm-hmm. I, 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 you have to check that I'm not sure if I'm saying the number exactly correct, but it was a significant amount of our wealth gone because as black people most of our what wealth we do have is in uh, our mortgages it's in it's mm-hmm. in our home ownership we don't have generational wealth I mean even even the you know black middle class like we don't have we don't have white wealth
2: mm-hmm, yeah
1: <laughs> we don't. Nowhere you know, near. black bu- nowhere near black bourgeoisie and white bourgeoisie are nowhere near <laughs> each other. Okay, and that's really important to understand. Like your black bourgeoisie, if your family has like a hundred thousand dollars, right? Average, average for white people is like one hundred forty thousand. Okay, and that's so average. we are. So what is what is that's average? Okay? And this is one hundred
0: thousand liquid outside of mortgage.
1: Exactly, and Ooh. so that's why, like you know, you'll see white people are able like open up businesses, open up restaurants just by going to their family and asking for money. We can't do that. Most of us can't do that. Mm-hmm. Even if you do come from a family that has so we don't have that kind of liquid cash. It's like, oh, well, you know, I want to go open up. It's one up, person uh, in the family. You know, it's
0: not the whole family. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Because, you know, you can exactly. probably look
0: at your cousins and they live in different lives than even your father and the father's brother. Oh, you want uncle away from somebody that's in jail, that's been murdered, that sold drugs, or it has been wrongly incarcerated. You one cousin away where other families they have they can all go on summer vacations.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I mean that you know I mentioned earlier like my grandparents being able to go to college. All their siblings didn't go to college, mm-hmm. and that made a tremendous difference. You know what I mean in terms of how things how things played out. Um so so we are not we are not wealthy. We are not old money. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Um, and that that's really important to understand, because sometimes we get very caught up in these capitalistic ideas that are not really serving our interests and are not really for us. And we're chasing a carrot that's being dangled in front of our faces that we will never catch. We and in it, it, and any time that it seems like we are starting to catch up the white elite will do things to make sure that we don't. I mean, that, that's what's happening right now in this pandemic era. Like they are using this era as an opportunity to create more gap, right? What's happening now with the situation with the schools? Well, if the schools are closed down, they their kids are taken care of. They can afford private tutors. They can afford like all these other things. If our kids are going to public school, a lot of our kids are falling behind if we can't provide those kinds of resources, right? So I think having a class consciousness when I when I say responsibility, having a class consciousness, having a race consciousness around these things, and also having an international consciousness around. On these things. Sometimes as black Americans, we get very focused on just like what's happening in America. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot happening around the world as black people. This is a situation. I don't care where we go in the world. Mm-hmm. If you are black, it's the same situation. It's not just America. So we, we have to have that kind of like awareness. Um, and then for the folks that are, that are not well off, you know, I mean, I, it's hard for me to say like what their responsibility yeah. is because what I see is people giving their all. Like when I talk about like this housing issue, I'm working with people where they're fighting for housing rights and they're they're struggling to figure out how to pay their own rent. Um, their their whole family's infected with COVID and mm-hmm. they're trying to take care of their you know family and they're trying to figure out how to how to work. They got they're like the essential workers. They got to go out and be on the front line. They don't have the privilege of st- you know sheltering in place. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so you know, I think that for us all to be responsible to each other is, is just about having this like collective idea, this collective care. you know, the idea of like, I am because we are. you know, am I good? Well, I can only be as I can only be so good based on like where everybody's at. That's the reality. Mm-hmm any any black person could tell you that I mean there's a lot of black people You yeah you get some money you go and you move out in a white neighborhood okay let's see how like how how well are you really doing somebody might call the cops on you because they're like you don't belong here you mm-hmm. know what I mean so you you can't really just like buy your way out of it mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I mean about having like race consciousness and class consciousness because those two things are intertwined like if they weren't then again like if you got a certain amount of money it wouldn't matter that you were black right that's mm-hmm. not that's not how it works we know that
0: mm-hmm. So what do you believe? And this is, like I said, this is opinion. This is your chance to really just show your opinion on things and questions. What do you think is the root of why we're in our culture right now? We are so we're built on, and especially myself at times where, all right, we're trying to all right, we're trying to blow this podcast up. We're trying to be a phenomenal speaker. We're trying to do this. We're trying to get this bread. We're trying to put all the people on so they can all get money so we can go vacation. And it's like, hold up, hold up. So we're trying to get money so we can move in places that really don't like us. To be at jobs that really don't really want us there. To go to places that really don't even want us there visiting. And it's like, but that is the auspice of a lot of you. You go on Instagram and not to call people out because I mean, but I. But it's like everything that we're building is to be in places that we're not really excited. They're not excited of us to be there. And then we tell ourselves that, hey, well, I'm going to be the guy and I'm going to change that culture and I'm going to be the guy that we need representation. But where, where is there a line to be drawn? And I know that's kind of a... You can get into a judgy space with that, but from your for your opinion, because I know you have some strong stances on certain things. But what is what is your really thoughts? Because right now we've been that's where we're at for a lot of people to go get it.
1: So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm a revolutionary.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, 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 I don't I don't think that our goal should be to uh, be a part of the white institution. Right. Because the definition, what makes the institution white is our exclusion. As soon as like so so let's say like yeah that's the goal that's that's a that's a reasonable goal uh, it, it makes sense that that's a normal human thing mm-hmm. <laughs> like every everything that you're expressing is normal and human that's okay like I don't think people should feel bad for having. The same kind of ambitions that any normal person would have, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, like, we really need to interrogate what does that mean, right? So let's look at like the Ivy League schools, for instance, right, yeah. like the universities, right, um, and we'll we'll fixate so much on like who can get into Harvard, Harvard and get into Princeton. the white yep. institution, right? But the whole thing that make that those are institutions that were built for the slave masters. Mm-hmm. That like that that's literally what the institution was built for. Not even all working white people could get into that institution. Look, look at UVA. Thomas Jefferson built UVA to educate the the slave owning planter class. they have they have rooms there that used to uh, used to be for housing their slaves that they would bring to them when they went to the campus. That institution, the way that it was designed, the way that it was theorized was never for our inclusion, mm-hmm. right So, the only way that that institution can include us is for that institution to be completely transformed right which is an okay thing that's an okay goal like if the goal is for us to transform the institution so that it's no longer this thing that is about serving the white elite but is about the the surrounding community right and is about educating and transforming everyone is about being you know accessible and serving everyone that's an attainable goal What's problematic is when we're judging our value by our ability to be the only Black person in the room. Mm. <laughs> that, that's when it's a problem, right? And sometimes we can really get in that mentality. Oh, look at me. I'm the only Black person. That's not good to be the only Black person. You know what I mean? It, well, sometimes we'll make a big deal about being the first, oh, I'm the first Black person here in the year 2019. That looks bad on the <laughs> institution, Like, like, you know, bless you. But is that really your accomplishment or is that is that really showing how messed up the institution is? Because you're not it's not that you're the first black person that was qualified to be that. Right. We've Mm -hmm. always had black people that were qualified to be there. They just weren't allowed to be there. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So that's where I think like we just have to be careful about over romanticizing being in proximity to whiteness and and white people and, and, and white ideas, like that's where we get ourselves into trouble, right? Because it's not really about the uplift of everybody. And the reality is like, none of us are going to get free until there's uplift. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like you, so long as you're, like I said, it doesn't matter. You can be the most talented person in the space. And in fact, if you are the most talented in the, uh, most talented person in the space they're gonna hate you even more because they know that you're the most you know what i mean yeah. like th- that's the kind of like consciousness that we we have to operate with
0: man that's uh you, you you said a lot right there and it's it's crazy growing up and this is oh man it's perfect Segwaying to where i want to go growing up i used to that was one of my things i went to anti we had great grades and something in my head was like man it, i used to get off growing up like yo i'm the only dude here like this is it, yo? We we made it. Like okay, cool. We had a, we in an internship, and this is all white colleagues and myself. And it's like okay, cool. But then I was like, hold up. Like you said, is this is this is this where I want to be? Is it like I know? And it's and it's crazy. Even and and I, I used to like I was I was bad. That's like once I grew out of that, then I became like hold up, man. Like I ain't even giving no love to anybody. I care less if you go to Ivy League school. You it's anti and nothing. It's, it's N.C. Central or nothing. It's, it's this or nothing. Because, I mean, I see so many people like, you know, just look online. When somebody says, hey, I'm going to Harvard, it's a billion shares. It's, oh my God. Let's And, and then when somebody says, I'm going to Central, I'm going to Livingstone. And they have the and I ain't going to comment on those institutions, not Livingstone in particular. But it's not the same response, right? And then, unfortunately, it makes me, as a black person, I used to get kind of angry. Like, man, like, Okay, why are they so excited about going to Harvard? Now I'm tearing down a brother. They just, hey, they might just want to go to Harvard. They might want to go to Penn. So I feel like we're always in a weird space as black people because you want to support people that go to places that we're not at. But then you're like, damn, why are you going so far from the culture? So where, how, do you, how, do you, how, how do we relegate that? Because we shouldn't have to relegate that. We should just be, hey, man, you go to Penn you going to Yale. You're going to Wharton. you going to NYU. You went to NYU, Brie. Like, you went to NYU. Yeah. You went to Tish. Tish is not no EG school. Tish is very yeah. elite. Very yeah. elite. So how do we rectify that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, again, the important thing to recognize is that the white power structure is trying to deny us education, period. Yeah. It doesn't matter where... You know what I mean? So, So that's why... You have people like like. Let's go back and let's look at the history of of why we have historically black colleges and universities to begin with, because we were not allowed to attend the white institutions. There were court cases where you had students um, suing the state because the they the state refused to provide funding for the black school to have a major Mm -hmm. that you could only take at the white school. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason why I ended up going to NYU was because I wanted to study film. And I I think things have have changed a bit now, but I mean, just as recently as what, 2003, 2004, when I was a freshman, Mm -hmm. um, there was only a handful of schools where you could go and like actually put your, your hands on film. Wow. um, If you wanted to study film. And
2: have the
0: resources to really utilize tools. And that's a whole different conversation. Like New York, you probably had a lot of stuff to, to work with.
1: It's a very expensive program. You know, a medical school is expensive. You know, like there, there are certain majors that cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we are deliberately deprived of funding at our black institutions and schools. So so that's what creates that dynamic where where you have black students, some black students really trying to fight to get into white institutions, um, just so they can can gain access to the same. Same thing with our athletic programs, mm-hmm. right? We don't get that we have in our community the majority of the athletic talent, top athletic talent. Period. Period. Undeniable. (laughs) Undeniable. But if you want to be able to go to for a lot of for a lot of black student athletes, if you want to go somewhere that can put you on track to go to the NFL, you got to go to the white school. But Alabama,
0: Alabama of all places, Alabama. Think about it. You going to Alabama? All this black talent, but the history of Alabama, Arkansas. These are Florida, like. South Carolina.
1: Right. Right. And so that's why, again, I say like we have to be careful of of like that we in our in our mentality are not equating the white space with superiority. It's not superior. It's not. What, What it is, is that it's more funded. And that is a that is structural. That is a deliberate policy decision that is being made to make sure that the majority of us are, are denied access to that kind of thing. Imagine if we had equal funding for, for our schools and institutions, we wouldn't be going to those schools. Like we wouldn't be fixated on, you know, uh, who got to go into, cause I'm, I'm going to tell you like the truth. And if you, if you get a chance to be in like a lot of white space and elite spaces, you're going to find out very quickly. It ain't nothing superior it's not <laughs> like it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of smoke and mirrors and funding um wealthy white people have the same issues that everybody else has i don't know how much i can say on the podcast but i'm just gonna you tell can say, you, no, you like, can say whatever
0: you want like <laughs> I mean, you you got free reign you you if anything i thought i would be a governor now you can go ahead
1: But I mean, I mean, it's very true. There were several students at the school. Some of them have been in rehab before coming to college. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's not it's not that wealthy white people are superior morally, superior (laughs) intellectually or any of those things. It's it's resources. It's that some people are allowed to have access to resources and other people are deprived. We are coming generationally from a people who were forced to work without earning anything for generations, for hundreds of years. We, our wealth has been stolen and reallocated to wealthy white people, Mm -hmm. okay? So again, when I'm talking about like the consciousness and like the collective consciousness and like our power lies in us all having that kind of understanding, it shouldn't be about pitting, you know, this black person against that black person because we're all having to make decisions on a daily basis in the reality of like this system, like, uh, uh, you know, against the same kind of oppression, mm. you know what I mean? That, I had to make a trade off and in go into NYU. That was yeah. a trade off. Mm. You know what I mean? Like like there were things going to an institution like NYU over going to an institution like, you know, Howard University or AT or Hampton University. That's that's a trade off. There's a lot that I didn't get because I was then in a space that was like most of the people around me were white men, not even not even white people, white men, (laughs) Like, like when I was studying film, I mean, by the time I got to like my senior directing class, I was one of only two women and the only person of color, very, very, very white male space. You know what I mean? Um, and so, so we're, we're constantly having to make these like judgments and choices, just trying to navigate the oppression. You know what I mean? And so the, the, it makes more sense for us to like recognize that and organize ourselves against that than to be like in competition with each other or making judgments about each other based on the you know choices that we have to make
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah and as we as we kind of there's a lot more to unpack but we're gonna we we got we got a little bit more to go and then we'll wrap um i i I couldn't help but while you were talking um and i'm gonna speak on this but i got a question for is 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 funny, man? Because even in, from a personal perspective and business, where there have been times in my life where I mean, the just the resources weren't there. As an entrepreneur, resources weren't there. Stuff was tough, and it's like I took a lot of the, I took a lot of a heat on myself, and I got pressed and all this other stuff. It's like, dang, we ain't cutting it. And it was and then, and then to think about it, It was like, yo, I had to tell myself that it had nothing to do with. Um, and I just realized this year, I questioned my character, I questioned all this stuff on myself, but I I knew that. Well, if I had money, it would be different. And now, like I said, we have a lot more resources now. So now stuff is booming. We're on a different level. And I'm like, but I look at the people that they came out and they had hundred thousand for their venture, a million for their venture. And if it's, if they fail to get a million more, imagine how many how many successful black businesses would have if we had. It's all like you said. something deep, you said, hold up. The difference between Harvard and A T is it has nothing to do with any type of quality, because quality you can get quality with money. But it's the resources. You got a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar endowment. Well, shoot, you can get the best lecturers, have the best facilities, all that stuff. If we had that in A and T, we'd be on the top of the level too. So, I'm glad that you said that because it's a. Uh, there's so much mental stuff that we endure as Black people, as, as business owners, as teachers, as creative, and a lot of it's due to lack of resources. It's not because we have bad character. Because what, what, like you said, the housing. Let's unpack that. It's easy to have bad character. You have nothing. You got nothing. You have nothing. I'm hungry. I'm. A, I might have to rob you. Like end, it, it, because I'm just I just I just born to rob. We were not born to rob. We're not born savages. But if I have nothing, I'm going to take it if you got it. So, man, that's really. Hmm.
1: And if I can say even more than that, the wealthy people are robbing every day. <laughs> the president of the United States is a criminal by definition of the law, but he will never be subjected to the same kind of process that a poor person who robs a convenience store today will. You know what I mean? Like the PPP loans that they sent out, right? Mm -hmm. You're talking about access to capital for minority businesses. They handed out like billions of dollars. Most of it went to corporations that already had money. 90% of small black businesses did not receive a loan. So that's what I'm saying about how like there are decisions that are being made to deliberately ensure Mm -hmm. that we don't get access, that, that we, that, that gap. That, that inequality remains in place. So that's the consciousness that we have to operate with. And then what they try to do is turn around and say, oh no, it's just because it's black. No, it's not because it's black. It's because of, of structural inequality. It's because of racism.
0: Mm, and you hit on the head even like, I had to fight and claw to get a PBP, but I knew that there was colleagues of mine that were not like myself that made it one call, two calls and they got cashed out 100 grand, 50 grand. I'm talking about like, you, we got companies that are great companies, right? They are just sort of community All this other stuff They can't even They can't even get through The application process Without getting denied You got companies running Credit checks now Like you ain't a Credit check on my man But now you going You digging deeper in the files You overlooking stuff And I'm like bruh Like you just cashed out A company with 350 grand No questions asked But all, it's so It's 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 And then like Are y'all really gonna give out All this free money And none of it come to us again Again Billions ag- Again And y'all And you're gonna tell it. We don't know We don't know paperwork we don't, they don't know paperwork either. Cause you'll right. call you'll call them and say, hey, you're missing this sign, sign here. Oh, buddy, uh, to change that number. If we change the number, it's fraud. We we, right. we we can't underwrite it. And it's it's sickening to think about how this COVID thing has been played up to even, like you said, even be more of an advantage. So what is your take on that? I mean, to sit back and look like, wow, all this free money coming, not free money, all this money flowing, all this stuff is enacted. The bills and stuff are getting pushed back for the safety of everybody else. And you're looking at, no, this is going to devastate our culture. It's devastating. Even though, even the people that get unemployment, $600 is cool. But look at the long-term view of this thing. Psychologically, being at home, you get money, but you at home. Our babies, that don't have Wi-Fi. We, me, shoot, on this call, I'm having Wi-Fi issues. And I'm well off. So what about the kid that's going to be like, what does what the ancientness learn to look like on every level? Oh, right. man. Have you? Uh, how often do you unpack how this COVID thing is really affecting our culture?
1: I mean, every day. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, but again, this is why I'm a revolutionary because I don't believe that there is such a thing as equality. I, I don't think that we ever achieve equality in the system as it exists, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there are people who, am, who are in power. Mm-hmm. There are people who are sitting on money. There are people who are making these decisions that have to be displaced from- it's, it's not going to change. These are these are decisions that they are making generation after generation after generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I can name three incidents just in the past 15 years. Right. Um, Katrina. Mm-hmm. Right. In New Orleans, the water in Flint, Michigan and covid. That's just in the past mm. 15 years. Wow. Right. Like, like this is going to be a constant thing. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's easy, but what I'm really trying to speak to right now is shifting our mentality, right? Like we have to divest from this system. We have to divest from this idea. Like when you're talking about the, you know, the whole idea of like, oh, I, you know, I can go to Harvard and I can be the one and then I can uplift the people without having a real analysis around the institution, the fact that the institution is designed to make sure that you can't do that, you know? Uh, like like that that's that's the kind of You can't that, bring that's everybody the,
0: in that trip. You can't.
1: It's like trying to beat the it's like trying to beat the casino. You will not <laughs> beat the casino. You might win a good hand, you might have a good run and win at, you know, a game of blackjack, but you are never going to beat the casino because the casino is rigged to make sure that the majority of people can't win. And like when you understand that, then that's when we can start saying, Okay, well let's imagine a different kind of system. Like let's 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 imagine different kinds of institutions, let's imagine different kinds of laws. You know what I mean? And then we start fighting for things that will actually bring about the outcomes that that we're looking for.
0: Mm. And the last uh, I got two more questions, then we're going to culture change round to wrap it up. Uh, one, what's your what's your take? And I know there's probably wide, but what is your 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 take on reparations, this whole the reparations place? I think there's a conversation is, is uh, uh it's, it's crazy. It's 2020 and we're just starting to have it serious, I guess, serious because it's but I'd be like. Ugh. So what's your thoughts on it?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I think the reparations conversation is essential. It's been going on. It's been theorized for a
0: while. People got theses on it, PhDs on it. I'm like, where where the the damn money at, bro? Where the land?
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) But I still, again, like I don't believe that. First of all, let's start with the fact that The United States of America cannot pay us back what they owe us, okay? Mm -hmm. The United States of America (laughs) owes us more than they can pay, okay? Mm -hmm. Like trillions of dollars. I mean, this has been calculated. Like trillions of dollars of wealth Mm -hmm. have been stolen from Black people Mm -hmm. in this country. Um, So they can't pay us back what we're owed to begin with. So then we really have to ask ourselves, well, what are we willing to accept as reparations, right? Because I I feel like we've got to be careful that they don't turn around and say, oh, okay, Here's, you know, a check, here's a check there, here's a thing there. Okay, we've solved it. And 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 it'll just go back to business as usual. And we'll look up 20 years later, same conditions, dealing with it'll be the new COVID, whatever it is that we're dealing with, the new Katrina, whatever it is that we're dealing with, the same thing. It's because because it's coming. Because it's not really justice, right? So in my view, I don't think that we can have. A real reparations process until after the revolution. OK, and when I when I say revolution, like I know that's a really loaded word. Mm-hmm. Right. But revolution most basically just means a change in power. So in my mind, revolution means a situation where people like Donald Trump are not in power anymore. Right? Like, like mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in a post-revolution. You don't have um, this just grotesque concentration of wealth among the white ownership class. Right. Mm -hmm. So there would there would have to be enough organization and enough pressure to the point that we reached a point where it was like, okay, there has to be a massive wealth transfer from the like one percent of people who are sitting on, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars of wealth um, to the systems and institutions, you know, free college um, you know, free health care, um things things that would actually bring people out of poverty, right? Like that that's what we would need, in my view. Um, I think that we have to be really careful about, they they kind of backed off of it now. I think folks started to get a little scared of that reparations conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but there for a little while during the primary, they were kind of starting to play into it. Oh yeah, let's talk about reparations. And my concern was just like, they're just gonna do this thing where it's like, we're gonna cut everybody a little check and then otherwise just keep it as business as usual. Mm-hmm. And they continue to steal more from us than they ever give back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I just, I think that's what we have to be really careful of. But I think we have to keep talking. There has to be reparations. There has to be, Right. Um, I just don't. I, I think that it doesn't really happen until the people who are currently in power are displaced from power.
0: Mm. So this is where the last two things before we jump into the the rapid fire round. One is what has been your throughout your journey? And this doesn't have to be the last year, but in your life, what has been your most proudest moment and what's been your most challenging moment?
1: Um. I think definitely taking the flag down is probably my proudest moment in my life um, for for many reasons. I think that my most challenging moment, I've really had to make some, it's, it's hard for me to pinpoint one, but just kind of like just generally speaking, um, it's not always easy to like say the thing that's not popular. It's not always easy to like do the thing that, you know, is going to kind of like alienate you from from folks. You know what I mean? Like I knew that when so like after I took the flag down, there was like a period of time where, like I said, everybody wanted to kind of co-opt the image. I had, you know, Hillary Clinton was saying my name at the, you mm-hmm. know, when she's doing a rally in South Carolina. I started getting invitations from folks to come like, you know, be in space like, you know, come you know, be in this space, be in that space. And I had to make a conscious decision where I was like, you know what? I can't do that. Like I'm gonna have to say like what I really think about like this elitism and I'm gonna have to be like openly critical of some of these things. And that will make you persona non grata. That will get you blacklisted, you know, <laughs> to a certain extent. Like it's really kind of remarkable that I'm still able to like get the kind of platform space and, and kind of be in certain spaces that I have because I know that certain people are trying to like keep me from that. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I'm outspoken um in that way and they know that. I'm, I will be willing to like openly challenge certain things, you know? Um, and so, so that has been somewhat challenging, but you know, what? still like at the end of the day, I have to be able to live with my conscience. That's just me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, like at the end of the day, my integrity, if I have nothing else, everything else can be taken from me Mm -hmm. except my integrity. That's the only thing that can't be, you know, money. It, all that other stuff is like fleeting. It can be, you know what I mean. And so, so it's challenging, but that's also like where I prefer to to reside. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then this is this is for people that um, if you ideally, right? So going forward, I mean, you do a lot of interviews, you do a lot of press, and sometimes you read. You, I know you probably read certain things. You're like, bro, this is not what we talked about. Like, what this is this is not the show escape. I mean, if you had it your way, how would you prefer? people um when they're interviewing when they're talking to you how would you prefer the the, the the pros be i know it's a weird question but i'm always interested from people that uh get interviewed a lot because you've probably been in some good interviews some terrible interviews some spaces where it's like yo so what would you prefer what would be the best thing to really capture what you really mean though you feel me because when you got somebody interviewing they can shape it or right especially when they're writing they, mm-hmm. they can just miss the whole wave. And you're like, damn, you got me into your New York Times like that. And I was like, if I'm going to come there, I need to bring my whole message. Like, what? I'm in Boston Globe. It's cool to be in these places, but you're reading it. Like, what the heck? Like, so how would you prefer going forward to to continue to bring your whole self to, to, to print and online?
1: Well, part of what I'm hoping, to, I think I mentioned I'm working on this documentary project. And that's part of what I'm hoping will make it clear to people because I feel I, and I feel like sometimes that has definitely happened where I've done like interviews and I read it and I'm like you didn't understand what I was <laughs> saying, but, um, but I I don't always see that as people intentionally trying to distort it. I think sometimes people genuinely don't see it. They don't get it um, because because I mean a lot of what I'm I'm talking about revolution. I'm talking about doing stuff outside of the Institute. You know what I mean? I'm talking about like challenging, like all of the norms. We're talking about abolishing, clues. like like the stuff that we're talking about sounds really out there. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it's, it's not out there like when you really start to study it and understand it, but it sounds really out there compared to like where mainstream thinking is at. Right. Um, and so I'm hoping that the documentary project will Help make that clearer to folks like what I mean, like when I'm talking about stuff like um, grassroots organizing, you know, um, building democratic structures outside of existing structures, you know what I mean? Like to like to really make that clear to people so they can really understand that, Um, because I think sometimes it isn't always easy to like get across to people. You know, in in a single interview. But that's why also I have to be careful sometimes. Like, you know, I, I won't always do like a million interviews. I've kind of learned that sometimes it's better to just do like one really good interview. Yeah,
0: way better. You know,
1: than like than like a bunch that are not all really sharp and and on it. You know.
0: Yeah, especially. I mean, until you got like a project where you just it might require. Like I know, um, you mentioned. I don't know what's next as far as book or film or whatever, but. I mean, there will be, probably be a point where, I mean, shoot, you got to, even though you don't want to, but I mean, you have obligations, you sign some deals, you're going to have the obligations to certain entities. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. And I know it's I, I can only imagine, especially from your take, because you're not like an actor or actress that can just you don't reach everybody. It's more mm-hmm. so like you going you reach everybody, but it ain't gonna be a good reach. Some reach are gonna be like, dang, hold up, whoa, Damn, I wouldn't even I'm I'm freely fire. I love I, I, I support you. I know I'm white, but I love what you do, Bree. I, I would have took the fight down myself. But it's like but you shooting them too, but it's like well, you gotta get shot. I don't know. I can't I can't I can't guard the bullet. Like yeah, because your cousin probably shot me, or your husband probably you probably you probably seen it Yes, yeah, the people that love what you do, but their husband what they stand for is all against everything you stand for It's like bro you can't love mm-hmm. me and, 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 and love that guy Because that's, mm-hmm. cause guess who He's the man of the house Because Because guess what they kept the white man in your house So y'all got the two parent boys So the kids you raising They, they, ain't, they don't got the same identity as you So save me on that because who are you really if that's your husband but that's neither here nor mm-hmm. there. Like that's that maybe mm-hmm. it maybe be breach of that.
1: <laughs> I've had to, I've had to fight sometimes with pieces that I've written, right? So I'll have people like reach out to me like, hey, do a do a piece on this. And I'll write it and then they'll try to edit it in a way that's like really distorting. And I'm like, no, like the choice of words like really matters. Like you're altering what I'm trying to say, you know? So so I mean that's a very real thing, you know? Mm.
0: So uh last last question um before we go to the culture changes. When it's all said and done, when your legacy is uh when the, when the book is closed, not it be more, but when the book is closed on 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 Brie Newsome bass and um when it's time to go, how would you how would you like people to uh to refer like how do you want your legacy to be?
1: I hope I want people to think of me as staying true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because again, like a lot of things can, a lot of things can, can change, you know, um, (laughs) especially in this culture. Yeah. You know, and I hear, (laughs) I mean, it's popular today. It may not be popular 10 years from now. I don't know. You know, we kind of went through a period where uh, even black lives matter was not really popular. Like this resurgence that we've been having since like the George Floyd killing and everybody be like, Oh yeah, black lives matter. Like it really wasn't like that a year ago. You know what I mean? So you can't um and this kind of goes with everything. Like any if you know, if you're gonna live a life of integrity and like live on your principles, you can't just like ride the wave of where folks are at on stuff. Like you have to be willing to kind of like stand in that when it's popular and when it's not popular. Um, and so I just hope people, you know, remember me as as staying true to that. And I'm I'm certainly trying to do my best to make sure that I stay true to that um as well.
0: Mm, man, that's uh that's powerful, man. That's uh but that's the only thing About the culture Which I, I'm scary of That we am in a space Where there are certain Certain people That are really looking For opportunities To to to, to, to bring down Maybe somebody like yourself Like to, to just say Okay nah to, to Throw something out And it just very I think you said That's something scary Like right now It may be hey We might everywhere, Everywhere everywhere And then Knowing the culture, shoot, you may say something, and then people are like you didn't. You didn't X'd out, and it's like, dang, bro, for real, like, how you gonna X me out? What up? So, if you don't know yourself, you can really start to gauge. Especially, I can probably as a as a as an activist start to gauge your effectiveness off praise, right? You can,
1: yeah. You got to be careful about that. You can't. I mean, that that's kind of similar to what I'm talking about, with like the celebrity and the fame stuff. Like you. You have to be careful because, I mean, I don't agree with everybody. There's nobody that I'm like in 100 percent agreement with. And that's okay. You know what I mean? And like I I have to be I have to be okay with like, um, first of all, letting people feel how they want to feel. That's all right. Mm -hmm. Um, But also not not judging like where I stand based on whether everybody approves or agrees with it, you know, and I mean, there's a lot of. Sometimes, honestly, I'm sitting there and I'm like, should I say anything? Maybe I shouldn't say nothing because I'm going to make people mad. Like, if I, really <laughs> say, like, you know, like what I think, or I'm just like, you know, I mean, and sometimes I, I don't feel like every opinion has to be shared necessarily all the time or that the time is right for everything. But, you know, I, and that's okay. But, you know, I, I again, you can't, if you try to live your life based on approval, you will get lost. I promise you. I promise you because people change their opinions. Like you know what I mean? Like like people will people will approve of it today and then flip on you either way. Yeah. So so that's just not a way to live, you know?
0: Yeah, man, love that. So let's go to a rapid fire round. It's five rapid fire questions. Hopefully, we get five rapid fire answers. You ready to go? Okay. Cool. Uh, what's the best piece of advice that you have never received?
1: That I have never received?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so this is your top opportunity to just give advice randomly.
1: Oh gosh uh 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 the top advice that i have never received i don't know top advice uh, this is supposed to be rapid fire isn't it no nah,
0: you're you're good it always happens <laughs> everybody you're so used to saying okay this obviously this advice but then it's like hold up i've never received this so how can i give it like but it's really just really what advice that you would kind of you made yourself
1: yeah um i think it's important to learn how to how to be how to live by yourself Mm. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, like how to be content with yourself by yourself is very, very important. Um, like if you want to have good relationships with other people, like like figuring out how to just be still with yourself and be okay with that, like nobody's ever really said that to me. That's just something I've kind of had to like learn on my own.
0: Mm. I love that. um, if you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be?
1: Um, if I could take away a habit. Um, let's see a habit. I'm a low key kind of hoarder. Like I really (laughs) got to be careful. I have to be careful sometimes like that. I don't cause like I could definitely see that happening. If something goes, if something goes crooked, I could definitely like, I'll even watch the hoarder show just to remind myself like, okay, we got to clean up. Like, don't, don't do that. Um, so if I could take that away, I, I try to get better at it. Um, throwing stuff out. Um, and if I could add a habit, I'm really trying to get more discipline around meditation. Mm. I'm really trying to to get more discipline around that.
0: Mm. So if you are meditation people out there, you got some tips and tricks, man. Definitely up. Shoot them on Twitter, man. Shoot, shoot hit the email, hit, hit something like that. So we got we got a lot of people that probably hit the meditations. They'll they'll probably add you and all that good stuff. So that's great. Um, what is your favorite book or movie? Let's do movie because you're a <laughs> film buff. What are your? <laughs> let's do this. What are your top top three documentaries?
1: okay top three documentaries um always in season by Jacqueline Olive uh she's actually the executive producer on the documentary I'm doing now Mm -hmm. um she did a film about Lennon Lacey the boy that was found hanging from a swing set in Bladenboro North Carolina really really powerful documentary um let's see um Heated is this documentary that is about it's by Judith Heflin it's about um Um, environmental justice in Chicago. It's really crazy. Like certain zip codes in in Chicago are like a different climate than other zip codes because they don't have trees. Like it's crazy. It's a a really good documentary to watch. Um, and let's see number three, um, gray gardens, very random, but, um, but that was a really interesting documentary that was made about, um, these, these weird ladies that were like living up in Connecticut. And it, it's like significant because it's like one of the first documentaries where they just turn the camera on and they just like, they don't do anything except just turn the camera on and just observe people. And so that's just like a really interesting, uh, one to look at.
0: Mm, and while we're here, this is not in the notes, but, uh, what would be some, some standard books? And I don't know why I asked people that are trying to just understand politics, understand black culture. They're just trying to get more involved in here. What would be some books you recommend or some books, movies, documentaries. Let's go ahead, because we have one of the preeminent people in this space that studies a lot. What, what, what's the starter package?
1: Let's see. Um, I would definitely recommend the new Jim Crow. Uh, that one is is really key in terms of understanding like this modern civil rights movement, especially, and like the, how the criminal justice system is used to like keep people from voting. Um, let's see. I would recommend... Um, let me see what I got up here.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, what's really good? The autobiography of Malcolm X. Essential, essential reading. Essential. Um, that's, yeah, that's and You essential. probably have to read that
0: like every couple weeks. I mean, yeah, not every, yeah, couple, yeah, every couple yeah, years, matter because it's just the older you get, the more experience you get. It starts to hit differently
1: yeah absolutely and um I would recommend oh from Black Lives Matter to Black Liberation mm. by Kianga Yamada Taylor that's another one that is really really good in terms of like bringing you from the history of the struggle to like what's happening right now mm. really really good
0: mm, mm. okay I love that I love that um, <clears throat> if you were the president of the United States what's the first thing you would do
1: abolish police <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a whole podcast in itself, man. There's so many. Ah, that's a lot. That's a lot with it. I'm, I'm looking forward to see, hearing your content in the future. That yeah, planned on your personally, but also too with Black Alliance, et cetera, On certain topics, and really so you can really layer it because uh, I think that's really important. So um, we'll get we'll get back on that. So we're uh, oh, la- the last question this round is what's what's your biggest fear? My
1: biggest fear. Right now I just I want to survive COVID. Like this is a very scary, very scary um period. I don't know if you mean like a biggest fear that's just like like kind of immediate or if you mean like
2: uh oh, long term.
1: Yeah no, but it's I'm... like like right now everything is uh you know I, I'm I'm just kind of like looking at twenty twenty one. Like it's it's a little hard to plan beyond that. Um in, in my view, you know, I'm just I'm just praying for everybody right now. There's so much in the in the world right now, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And then we're done with that. And this is the last question of the show. Um, And I ask this to every single person who's ever been on the show. Um, If you could change one thing about society and most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why?
1: I want to, of course, eliminate white supremacy and colorism, you know, Um, because I really feel like that blinds us to uh, an ability to really see ourselves. Like, if you really think about it, like we have a whole system that is based on discriminating against people based on how they look. Mm -hmm. Like how, how shallow is that? How shallow is that? And what does that say about our inability to really understand who we are as human beings? If we're like assigning humanity to other people, like based on their skin color and how they look, you know, like I would, I mean, it wouldn't solve all the problems of the world, but I would love to start there
0: man i love it i love it i love it and as we close um what new projects and this is the and we're done we're done with all the questions man it's been a phenomenal phenomenal man groundbreaking episode is there any certain projects that people should be aware of um that you're currently working on working on in the future and here's the context this episode will probably be one of it will be one of the first episodes in our season seven so it will be around like the first part of september so um is there anything that people can look forward to? As far as what you're working on, as well as how can people reach out and find, any, find more information about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like I, I mentioned, I'm working on this documentary project. It's called They Tried to Bury Us. And I'm, I'm really looking at the city of Charlotte as an example of a city that puts out this image of being progressive. Right. Like mm-hmm. we've got diverse leadership and all <laughs> yep. this kind of stuff, but we still have the same issues like everywhere else. Um, and so I want to examine that and also how people are really, everyday people who are impacted by these issues are working together to make the change happen. Like, I want to make that clear for people who who aren't working on the front lines and don't get to see what that work looks like on a daily basis. And I'm, I'm looking for, you know, support all the time. So, you know, if people want to, to be in contact to learn more about it or how they can support, you can contact me at my website, brinewsome.com mm-hmm. um i'm also on twitter running my thumbs all the time if you want to <laughs> know what's on my mind Going in. um at Brie, right um at Brinewsome on twitter so yeah yeah reach out
0: and then uh and last thing last thing last thing um i i can't believe I, mi- I missed it but this is a question i had to ask um can, I, I don't know how i'm gonna ask it uh the uh, frame because it it, it's but how do you um? What what is what do you where do you find strength the most in your faith? Because I know you're big on faith. I know you kind of touched on it, but I, I it wouldn't be a podcast without saying, adrenally asking that in regards to your faith in Christ and God. Um, hmm. because you're you're a woman of God. You're in a marriage. You you your your to a man of God. But what your faith plays an important role. So I want you to share with your audience, share with this audience, um, how how big of a role faith plays in your everyday walk.
1: Oh yeah. Faith is, faith is central. My faith in Jesus Christ is, is central, um, to my faith walk. And I mentioned, you know, earlier, like when I first really got involved in activism in like 2012, 2013, around that time, I also really kind of had like a renewing of my faith and my spirit during that time too. Like I grew up in the church, but I really kind of had a, a point of like, you know, I've, I've always been like a very ambitious person, mm-hmm. you know, and I, but I just kind of got to this point where I was like, I really want to focus on things that are bigger than me. And, you know, I, I just remember praying and I was like, Lord, you know, you already know, like the things that I want from my life. I want you to make clear to me what you want for my life. You know, um, I, I want to live the life that you want for me. Um, and that's that's really how uh, I walk and That's how I live. You know, I come from a long line of praying black women hmm You know, um, yeah. um I've seen the stuff that my grandmother, that my my grandmother came through on her faith, you know, and that and so I I look at that and that's what I really lean on. I try to lean on that strength.
0: Mm, man, man, man. So Bree, you've given us you've been ultra generous, ultra generous with your time today. Uh you dropped a lot of stuff. You dealt with my 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 schizophrenic interview style, but that's just kind of how I do. I hopefully enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. Um this is gonna be really going to start the, the season off on a, on a great note. And, um, I really appreciate you sister for doing, um, what you do, for what you stand for, um, but you have sacrificed. Cause even though it's like cool, but it's like you emotionally sacrificed and you're taking a lot of bullets for a lot of people, right? A lot of people that is unaware, a lot of black unaware of a lot of stuff and you and your colleagues and your support system around you, whether it be your family, whether it be people in your tribe, et cetera. So I want to give you flowers, but as well as your whole tribe, flowers as well so i know by the time this airs i i will i'm going to make a donation to the cause and we want to encourage everybody that's listening to 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 financially support um which what what would be like the tribe or what what would be for 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 people that want to support in in certain ways their movement um what would be the best avenue to support financially
1: yeah if you will contact me at my website at com. just reach out and let me know that you that you're trying to to connect. And um, we can figure out like there's the documentary project, which I'm I'm also like providing equipment for the activists who are on the ground so that they can document their own stories. Uh, we've also got the housing work going on. So there's a number of things that you can definitely plug in uh, and connect and I can let you know.
0: Damn I know the trouble is a nation um for the first 10 people that really reach out and do something, I got something special for y'all, just let me know, but um, we really want to, this season we're focused on activation, we're trying to activate listening is cool sharing, liking is cool, but I really don't care about no download numbers, I don't care about none of that stuff, I care about people that's taking the message and applying it to their lives, Um, so yeah we really want to big on support, so Bri, um, hey, have a phenomenal day Uh, tell your husband, I'll be sending him an email probably sometime later, I know he had a lot going on and whatnot Um, so uh, yeah appreciate you sis, man, it's been a phenomenal show and I'm gonna let you do your thing, All right.
1: absolutely
0: before we close i would be remiss if i didn't give a special minority trailblazer shout out to our official sponsor scotch porter and it's crazy right holiday seasons are here already it feels like it was just january now we're blazing to december 25th the christmas holiday and if you are looking for a beard hair or face care grooming products scotch porter is the real deal i use it every day when my hair looks all glossed up and looking all spectacular that's scotch porter right there right and they're having a 50 percent off collection sale that just kicked off and it's the perfect time to stock up on your self-care essentials things like itchiness dryness shredding which comes to your beard and hair or blemishes bacteria and clogged pores that come from your face this product is the perfect i repeat the perfect solution to help with all that It's non-toxic and it includes ingredients like kale, protein, white willow bark, biotins, as well as pomegranate enzymes to cleanse, condition, moisturize and promote growth. So if you're in the market for self-care products, this is the perfect holiday gift and for a limited time, you can take advantage of the 50% off collection sales. No promo code needed. You just got to visit scotchporter.com to get started. So remember to show them some love. Go grab you a product for your man, uh for your for your woman. It's got they got face stuff, they got all that good stuff, man. So shout out to Scotch Porter and thank you for rocking with Minority trailblazer nation and once again once again once again make sure you go check out recdiv.com that is a job board specifically for historically black college and university students and companies looking to only recruit from HBCUs to go to recdev.com today to get started. And y'all thought I forgot? Hey, I know it's season seven, but ain't nothing changed but the numbers are in the range. Y'all about bought that. I, I it is, ain't this ain't G yo. <laughs> but remember, 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 I need you two things and two things only. What? First, leave a five star review, and two, make sure you leading. Oh, makes you changing the freaking culture. Good night. Oh, we still ain't done. Yo, we got 39 more episodes. Y'all get with it and get lost. Peace.